Within my group of friends in college, we had a friend named Cindy. I haven't heard from her since, and I don't remember where she grew up. But I do remember that she told me about a paranormal encounter I never forgot. She and her friends went to a movie, and they had parked all the way across the parking lot on the last row. It was dark out by the time the movie was done. They walked out towards that last row, and to get back to the car, they were walking along this fence that separated the parking lot and a junkyard next door. Now, as Cindy is telling me this story, I remember her eyes tearing up, her voice getting shaky. She said that as they walked down alongside that fence, they saw a car there in the junkyard. Well, the carcass of a car. It had been smashed to bits. Windows all broken out. But that's not what made them stop walking. They stopped walking because there was someone in that car, in the driver's seat. This person's face was frozen mid-scream, a desperate look of horror in his eyes. Then they noticed the driver's head was transparent and that they could see the driver's seat through it. But most of all, they noticed that the head was simply floating in place with no body below it to hold it up. It just hovered. The group of friends finally started moving again and got out of there. Of course, it wasn't long before they heard around town that the driver of that car had been decapitated in the accident that killed him. I'm Albie Robles, and I want you to scare me. Miranda Frick Carroll is the host of the podcast, That Spooky Life, which she describes as personal and listener-submitted paranormal experiences through filters of sass, class, and dark humor from the perspective of a southern-fried vampire witch. It is an awesome podcast. You can check them out on Spotify or join them on social media. They are That Spooky Life on both Facebook and Instagram. My name is Miranda, and I am the host of That Spooky Life podcast, where I share personal experiences of my own and listener stories from people who send in their own personal paranormal experiences. I don't do well with like horror movies most of the time. It's it's one of those like vivid imagination things. I am fascinated by it. And, you know, I was introduced to things like Edgar Allan Poe in school and the concept of of horror and things like that. Uh, but a lot of the paranormal stuff is I've been having like weird experiences my whole life and trying to figure out where those come from and what the truth behind those things are is mostly what led me to an interest in the paranormal, supernatural, the occult, things like that. My earliest weird experience, I remember that I had a strange feeling going to sleep and I slept on the bottom bunk of my siblings and I bunk beds. And I remember feeling that that weird like feeling of being watched. I told my mom about it and she was like, it's okay. You're just tired. Go to sleep. And I finally fell asleep, but I felt something breathe on my face. Like I felt like movement and I figured I have younger siblings. Obviously somebody is trying to mess with me. So I opened my eyes quickly to try and like surprise them. And there was this shadow that was leaning over me had glowing red eyes. And to my very young, like toddler mind, it looked like 
a werewolf, but I don't think it was actually anything like that now. And I took a deep breath and I screamed at the top of my lungs and it jumped back away from me, jumped out my window. And of course, my mother comes tearing in, turning on the light, going, you know, what's going on? What happened? I was hysterical and explained to her what I saw. And it was a little odd because she was like, you know, it was a nightmare. You're okay. So on and so forth, trying to calm me down. But we looked and there were a set of decorative curtains in in the room. We didn't ever take them down because there was a second set of curtains that actually closed to block the window. But on the decorative curtains, one side had fallen down, which it had never done before. And to my recollection, never did again. So it was an interesting set of circumstances. I don't know what that was. And now I have discovered that my mom actually believed me, but she didn't know how to handle that and still calm me down. That's the earliest one I remember. Here, here down in Georgia in the Bible Belt, people don't talk about those things. Um, there is a predisposition because so much has happened here between the Civil War and just day to day with being here. Um, there's a lot of it that I've noticed a, most people have experiences at some point, be it in their home because it's an old home or like they were hiking on Kennesaw Mountain and walked through the battlefield and saw something that, you know, they didn't think was there or something. But we don't talk about it because there's like that huge stigma. If you if you hear things and you see things that aren't there, you're crazy. So a lot of my interest and desire to actually do the podcast is because I want to normalize those conversations. It is part of being here, like locationally. It's also personal and it's a weird, like little blender smoothie mixture of chicken to the egg scenario. For the first probably 16, 17 years of my life, I was I was terrified of of all of the things that, you know, you see in your peripheral or you get a weird vibe in a house. Because, again, you don't talk about it here. Uh, you don't talk about it a lot of places, but like specifically here, this is where if you say that you see and hear things, you might be taken away from mommy and daddy and never see your family again. And so you you keep it all inside and you you find a few people that you can talk about it with, but not necessarily everybody. And I was just terrified because I didn't want to be the crazy one. I didn't want to have to go tell a therapist or something like that, that, oh, my God, I see and hear things that I felt I legitimately saw and heard and other people shared the experience with me. And I spent a very long time sort of like hear no, see no, speak no evil. I tried to to block it out, to not notice these things, to move on and just pretend like it wasn't happening until probably my mid twenties, I was like, this is not going away. This is not, this is not something that I necessarily can ignore. So let's see why it's happening. Let's figure out what the truth is. And there is no simple answer. It's something that we don't understand. So the best I can do is chronicle my experiences, journal everything, share my experiences and get other people to talk about it in the hopes that maybe through those conversations, through that interest, through that documentation, one day we can actually figure out why these things occur. 
and not have to worry about, you know, the negative ramifications socially for discussing those things. So I have done investigations a few times. A lot of stuff has been just like going and seeing why the window rattles at a friend's house. You know, is this explainable because of the house going on or is there something else causing this? I've done house blessings and stuff like that before. But recently we've actually started there. There are a few of us, uh, some of some of my acquaintances and friends that have been on the podcast and shared their personal experiences. Um, they we've all gotten together and done an investigation now that I told the story of on the podcast. And just recently, which is a story I will be recording for the podcast, but have not yet. I did another investigation on house blessing for a small family who's been having some kind of upsetting experiences. So it looks like that some of the amateur stuff that I did, you know, in my early twenties is now coming back to being more of a, we are actually probably going to be investigating more frequently. There's an urban legend in my hometown on CCC road. And it's not like, Oh, you know, somebody died there or old man Lester was hanged or something like that. There was a logging trail that has all of this weird stuff that happens. Like, before they closed it off, supposedly, if you drove down it, you would count seven bridges and you would only count six coming back. There was tales of like old witches hanging rabbit stuff in the trees to to ward away and curse people if they crossed the property. There was a satanic priest that like sacrificed children, all this stuff. Well, Simply enough, there were quite a few historical references that could debunk these things and show how like giant overblown rumors became urban legend. But there are a few experiences that I had down there that I cannot personally explain. There is supposedly a large cat spirit that protects the land because it is on one of the world's largest college campuses. And while I never saw a giant full on cat, there was a time that we were out there at twilight that we saw uh, eye shine, like the reflective eye shine of animals, and went traipsing off the side to see what we could see. And at the point that we saw the eye shine where my friends were standing, in order for that, like distance wise, to work, the head would have had to have been very, 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 very large. We never found any tracks, any prints. We never saw an outline of a cat, but we did see some odd eye shine. Uh, the weirdest thing that ever happened to me out there was a series of what sounded initially like bird calls or maybe some strange mammal like a bobcat or something like that. We didn't think anything of it. We were just out there for a walk until that same sound, that same pitch, that same tone started becoming laughter. And that could easily be explained by an animal that can mimic things because there it's a logging trail now. So there are people in and out of there from time to time. But the fairy lights that were spread across the ground kind of like if you take one of those web Christmas lights that you like throw over your bushes, if you put that flat on the ground, that's what it looked like. And there were hundreds of blue lights that would come on slowly and disappear. So I'm thinking swamp gas, something like that. We live, it's either here in Northwest Georgia, it's either a mountain or a swamp. And we were not on a mountain, therefore it was a swamp. 
And I, I run my hand through it and one of the lights pops up, turns green and is a firefly. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's fireflies. Could not find another one. And they would just all come on slowly and turn off slowly in unison. And for hundreds of lights to do that, it seemed very odd. Well, we decided that we were not going to step into that and that we were going to go ahead and go. And it wasn't until like six years later that I was talking to one of my friends who was there. I was like, yeah. And then all of those blue lights showed up and that was a very strange experience. My friend looks at me and goes, blue lights? I was like, yeah, you saw the lights, right? Like we talked about it. I was like, yeah, I saw the lights, but they were all multicolored to me. Like they were all different colors. Six years, apparently we had not had the conversation <laughs> to the point that I only saw blue where my friend saw like rainbow colored lights. That's the biggest thing that I could not explain like reasonably in my mind. The time that I was most legitimately scared was when I was 15 or 16 and a friend of mine had this little art studio in basically a partially renovated sort of rundown old building in their hometown. And it was attached to the, the fire station. And her dad was worked for the fire station. So she'd basically been allowed to go hole up and it didn't matter. She got paint all over the floor because it was it was going to need to be either torn down or renovated anyway. They weren't able to do anything with it yet. It was an old spooky building. We would hear things. We didn't think anything of it. And it was really a strange sort of comparison because the fire station was alive and had a lot of stuff in it and it was, you know, updated and clean and all this stuff. And then literally you walk through one door and it's this, you know, the open rafters, holes in the floor. You got to be careful where you walk. But there was a functional bathroom downstairs. So we would go over there and listen to her record player and paint and hang out and have a good time like we were we were not the bad kids like we would smoke cigarettes but that was about it and we were chilling one night and it was her her boyfriend our mutual best friend and then one other one other friend of ours and her boyfriend it was like hey i gotta go take a leak i'll be back and we're like okay well her boyfriend was also a very good mutual friend of me and my best friend so he goes down there and it's like two flights of stairs. It was technically like two levels, but we did not go to the second level because it was the super dangerous. So he goes down there and we're hanging out and we realize that we get to the end of the second side of the vinyl that we were listening to and he hadn't come back yet. We were like, did he slip and fall in? Like, we didn't even think anything weird of it. It was just it had been a minute. So we said we were going to give him just a little bit longer because maybe it was uh, not not number one, but number two. And so we'd give him a second. And we got we got to the end of an A side of another record and he still wasn't back. And we were like, OK, now it's weird. So my best friend who had known him longer was like, I'm just going to go check, make sure everything's fine. And I was like, you know what? it's really late at night, so I will just go with you, buddy system. And so we go down there and I was waiting at the top of the stairs because to be perfectly honest, the only light that was down there until you got into the bathroom to flip it on was this red exit light. And this hallway connected to the fire station in the basement. And it was a basement. 
And the only light was that red exit sign on the other end of the hallway to the fire station. And it just looked straight out of a horror movie. And I was like, I'm not I'm not living for this. I, I will stay at the top of the stairs and you can shout if you need me. So she goes down there and she knocks and the light's on, but there's no answer. We're like, hey, are you OK? No answer. And then I see my best friend look down the hallway to where the exit sign is and freeze. And all she says to me is, Miranda, I need you to go back upstairs. I was like, what? No, why? And I come halfway down the stairs and I see this taller than should be tall, shadowy silhouette that is completely not see-through at all. It was just a black outline. At first, I thought it was just a person because it was so tangible that I was just like, oh, crap, there's a squatter. This is bad. But then the more I looked at it, it was absolutely not like it. It wasn't really like fully there, like you couldn't see through it, but there was something odd about the outline of it. And it was just standing there. And I have never felt such a sharp, intense feeling of fear, panic, and I don't know what to do until my friend who was raised Mormon and I was raised Methodist, she starts saying the Lord's Prayer. And it was a different version than I knew. So we stumbled over each other, but we just started saying the Lord's Prayer and it literally disappeared before our eyes, like into thin air. It disappeared. And my buddy flushed the toilet and came out of the bathroom and was like, wait, what are you guys doing down here? He thought he had been gone five minutes. He had no idea what he were, we were talking about. He had not heard us knock on the door. He had not heard us talking to him. He had not heard us saying anything. He did not realize that he had been gone for like two hours. That was legit. I never went back. I never went back to that place. We never hung out there again. I That was probably the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, as far as the scariest thing that anyone has submitted, it was recently. I have a listener of the show who is a dear friend of mine. He has submitted a couple of stories. And every time I see something from him pop up in my inbox, I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be a horrifying. But he used to work at a gas station and right next door to it. And they shared a door in between was a laundromat. And the gentleman who worked there was Middle Eastern. And they, they he's like, we weren't really friends, but, you know, we were there. We were the only two people there late at night. We would check on each other. We would have conversations. He was a good acquaintance. I was like, OK, that's fair. So apparently at some point. He, Louis noticed that there was somebody standing across the street, peeking out from behind a telephone pole under a light. He was like, well, that's odd. And then he realized that it was too far up to be standing. So either this thing was like eight feet tall or somebody had climbed up the telephone pole and there was nothing on the other side. Like a full human person cannot just like hide behind a telephone pole unless they haven't had a sandwich in like three years. So this was odd. And he said it was really strange because they were just like claw gripping 
the telephone pole. And it was a very disturbing face. And he asked the guy next door who said he must be just seeing things or there was somebody weird out there. And this happened repeatedly over a series of like weeks. Until finally, one evening, my friend looked up and thought that this thing was looking at him. And he had like the frozen in fear moment. And it had never sort of like looked directly at him before. And then the guy from the laundromat came in and he realized that this thing wasn't looking at him. It was looking at the guy from the laundromat and it would follow him wherever he went. And so he tried to talk to to this guy about it. And he was like, he looked up and he finally saw it. And he was like that. That's the thing that I've been seeing. And the guy was frozen for a second and then just like shook his head and darted, like went back to the laundromat muttering something about weird county folks and stuff like that. So after that, I, they, uh, the, the guy from the laundromat got switched to the day shift and my friend hadn't seen it for, for a while until finally he just worked up the nerve to go across the street and look like around this telephone pole. And he looked up and realized that he had been correct. This thing would have had to be either ridiculously tall or like climbed up the telephone pole and he found a fingernail stuck in the telephone pole and he took it out and put it in a jar and tossed it in a river and he was like that's the only time i have ever witnessed someone else's haunting and it was terrifying i did not do that story justice not reading it because the way he wrote it my hair was literally just like standing on end i was like this is awful oh my god Do you want to try to scare me? If you've had or have heard about a paranormal experience you'd like to share, or if the area you live in has a particularly scary legend or lore, I want to hear it. Send an email to scareme at albiroblesvoice.com. Scare Me is produced by Albi Robles Voice and features original music by Adam Clifton. Additional sound beds are provided by Stephen D. Voiceovers. You can follow us on social media. We are Scare Me Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For voiceover booking information or to inquire about having your own podcast produced, go to www.albiroblesvoice.com.